good evening. Sounds like everybody's worn out from volleyball. <clears throat> good evening. Good. What well, was fun uh, playing with you today? I still, I hope I can still say that tomorrow morning when I go to get up. So, uh, but it was enjoyable uh, interacting with you and uh, yeah, play some volleyball. It's been it's been a few years for me, so it was good to um, get brushed up a little bit. Tonight, I'd like to talk about where is God in the decisions that you make. We all make decisions, right? We make decisions every day. Um, matter of fact, if we were to, let's say we decide to go out for supper, and we're going to go to Goshen for supper, and as we get there, we have to start making decisions, right? Uh, some of those things are like, where are we going to go? Is it going to be fast food? Is it going to be a sit-down restaurant? And we're constantly making small decisions like that in our lives. And sometimes when we make a simple decision, like, e- like even where we're going to eat at a restaurant, um, we start, um, not only do we need to decide where we're going to go, we need to decide what we're going to eat, right? And so, uh, in bygone years, uh, McDonald's sold salads. <laughs> they don't anymore since COVID. Have you noticed that? Um, I'm not sure why, but so if you were to go to McDonald's and they would sell salads like they used to, uh, you would have to make a decision. Are you going to buy a hamburger or something like that, or are you going to buy a salad? What would you base that decision off of? How old were you, were? <laughs> How old were you were, right? <laughs> Is it going to be a happy meal or a good? What else may enter into that decision that you make? What you're hungry for. What would feel good? What would taste good, right? What else? If you're on a diet, diet, you would get a salad. (laughs) Not a salad guy, huh? (laughs) Any other reasons? How How much money you have? So I'm I'm kind of playing along that line right there. So when you go to a restaurant and you have the choice of a hamburger or a salad, would it make a difference to you if you knew the outcome years down the road of constantly eating one or the other? Would that enter into your choice at all? Help you make a choice. Decisions have consequences. And sometimes when we know the long-term effects of a choice, of a decision that we're going to make, we'll make, we'll make a different decision, right? If we know where it's going to take us or, or what's going to happen uh, years from now because of a decision I make, I'm willing sometimes to make a, a hard choice, maybe in that example, maybe I really wanted a Big Mac, but I know that, you know what, last time I was at the doctor, they said, I need to cut back and less calories, and so I'm, I'm going to choose a salad, not because I want it, because I know it's good for me. It's better for me than the alternative. Well, where is God in the decisions that you make? 
Does he play a role in the decisions that you make, the life decisions? And we, we face big decisions. In, at your age, you're facing uh, all kinds of decisions like occupation. Um, maybe depending on how old you are, you're, you're trying to figure out where, where am I going to live? Am I going to rent? Am I going to stay with mom and dad? Maybe if you're dating, you're trying to figure out, is this a spouse for me, right? And so there are, there are all kinds of decisions that we make, and some of them are so important because they have an effect, uh, they will have an effect later on in our life. I'm going to look tonight, I'd like to look at a, um, an example in scripture that I think uh, depicts a, it gives us a good picture of how to make a decision, but the same character also gives us a different picture, maybe not quite as healthy of a picture. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 22. And I'm not going to read the whole story uh, for time's sake, but um, I'll maybe just tell you the story a little bit. And so the Israelites were going through the land, and they were wiping out the wicked nations. And what happens is... Balak, and they had just got done destroying the Amorites. And Balak sees what happened to the Amorites. And he's concerned because he sees the Israelites coming and he's afraid they're going to wipe him out. And so Balak is trying to figure out how he can uh, protect his people, protect himself. And so Balak sends um, some um, servants and a bunch of gifts to Balaam. Balaam is a prophet. Um, Balaam, Balaam is a prophet of God, but he's not always a good prophet. Okay, and so Balaam has some um, some inconsistencies in his characters also, and we're going to see that. And so what happens is they these servants come to Balaam or to Balaam, yes, and they they ask him, they make their requests known to him. And Balaam says, I'm going to have to ask God about this. And so he goes to God. And, and that's about verse... Let's start in at uh, verse 12. And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. And so these servants were asking Balaam to come with them back to their people. And then they wanted Balaam to put a curse on the Israelites so that they would be protected from him. From them, And it says, And God said, Thou shalt not go with them, thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. And Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes of Balak, Get you into your land, for the Lord refuseth to give me leave to go with you. And so Balaam tells them the answer that God gave him, and he said he can't go with them. And so the princes of Moab rose up, and they went unto Balak, and said, Balaam refuseth to come with us. And so, I want to um, look a little bit at this scenario. And so, Balaam was faced with a choice. He'd been asked to go place this curse. And what did he do? Uh, he, he went and asked God, and he got a clear answer from God, and he immediately went and gave that to the servants. Now, I want to use that for an example of how I suggest that it might be a good way for us to make decisions in our life. Number one, 
Where is God in the decisions that you make? Okay, so the first thing I want to suggest is that you ask God with an open heart. Be willing to hear what he has to say, okay? It may not be what you hope for. It may not be um, what you want to hear. But ask God with an open heart when, when, we, um, when you honestly don't know. Now, if it's clear in Scripture, my suggestion is that you just take it and you go with it. You shouldn't have to ask further. But if it's, if, if it's not clear in Scripture, maybe you're making a decision, a life decision, like some of those that I mentioned, where it's not necessarily, it's not a, a clear, it doesn't give us direction in Scripture. So you should ask. Ask with an open heart. Well, how do we ask? How do we go about uh, seeking a good answer? Number one is, is study Scripture and read it with God's glasses on. And so although God does not specifically tell you that X lady is the one you're supposed to marry or that such and such a place of service is the place for you to go, he gives us some direction towards some of those things that, that we can the knowledge that we can learn from Scripture. So he maybe doesn't give you a specific uh, person or a place, but he gives us direction of what a godly lady should look like. Okay, And so as you study Scripture, uh, read it with that in, in, in mind, that you're trying to hear from God, that you want to hear what he has to say. Um, John 8 says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So it's important that we, that we study Scripture, that we know what's truth, so that we know how to apply it to our lives, our daily lives. The second thing is, consult with someone that is walking with the Lord. Find someone that you can trust at church or, or wherever it is. Find somebody that you can trust that has a history of making godly decisions and sit down with them and just lay it out and say, here's what I'm facing. I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to go to, to go to service or, or whatever it is, and, and I don't know where to go. I've had two calls. Can you give me any direction? What do you know about this place or that place? And so consult with godly people that you trust. Sit down with your pastor. Sit down with your parents and ask their input. So that's what Balaam did, right? He went and asked. That's what I'm suggesting. The second thing is, um, Balaam, when he heard from God that it was a no, he just went and told the men that. And he said, sorry, I can't do it. God said I can't do it. And it was, that was the end of it. The second thing is, first thing is ask. The second thing is, I think you should do what Balaam did. And you should act on what you know or, or the, the direction that you've been giving. Act on what you've learned from asking. Um, be confident in that decision. Be decisive. If, it's, if you've, you've sought out um, godly counsel and they've given it to you, um, take it and, and make a decision. Be decisive. Obey immediately. Don't delay. I find it interesting that Balaam, he asked God, he received the answer, he went out and told him, can't do it. Next morning he told him, I'm not going to do it. Um, sometimes I think we, we wait, hoping for another answer. Uh, maybe we'll get the answer that I want, right? And so we keep asking. And then don't make excuses for the choice that you've made. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's something that your parents have asked you to do and you really 
don't want to do that, but they've asked you to. And I'm just suggesting, don't make excuses like when somebody asks you, well, why are you doing such and such? Uh, It's all right to say, well, because my parents asked me to do it. And you don't have to make excuses saying, but I really wish I could do such and such, or um, I would like to do do this. Um, Don't make excuses for your choice if it's a good choice. Just state it and uh, be okay with it. The third thing Balaam did is that he stated the reason for his no. He didn't just come out to the servants and say, sorry, guys, I can't do that. What was the reason that he gave them? The Lord told him, right? The Lord told him, the Lord refuseth to give me leave to go with you. God said, I can't do it. That's another thing I think when we're making decisions, it's good to acknowledge the basis of my decision. So how did I get to that decision? What is the basis for my answer that I received? If it's biblical, then we should state it just like he did. I I can't conscientiously do what you're asking me to do because it's, it's not... It's not scriptural. It goes against God's character. I can't do that. I can't lie. I uh, just faced this this week. I sat in a, a, uh, a pesticide class, and I'll try to take a long story here and make it short, but I have to sit in pesticide classes. I get so many points for so many hours of sitting in a class. And so when I go to, cl- to a class, I like when they give me lots of points, okay? So I'm always looking for the classes that give me four or five points because I have to have 20 points in five years to renew my pesticide license. It's a lot of information there. Anyhow, I went to this class, and I discovered it's worth two points. And I'm sitting here all day. Well, the guy that was sitting beside me did not realize this either until after lunch. And I told, he said, oh, I'm sure we get four points. I said, no. I said, I'm pretty sure we don't. I went online. I said, see, we only get two. Well, I'm going to go talk to the head guy. So he went back and talked to the guy in charge. And he soon came up and sat down beside me. And he said, well, that man told me I can sign the paper for the golf class that they held over in the other room and get four points. He said, I don't know what you're going to do. But he said, I'm going to sign the class. I'm going to sign for that class. So he walked out of the class that we were in. It wasn't even over. He got his four points by signing on to a class that he had not attended. So the Indiana State chemist thinks he attended that class, which he actually didn't. And so here I'm, I'm sitting, and I'm a little bit irritated, too. I'm only getting two points. So I have a decision to make, right? What's the basis of my decision? I could save at least half a day, if not a full day, if I'd signed that other class. What am I going to do? I only got two points. I'm going to have to go to more classes. I'm just saying, sometimes I think it's good to know, how did we come to that decision? And if it's a biblical, if it's on a biblical basis, we should know that it is, and it's all right to just say that. That's the reason I can't do this, is because conscientiously I can't do it. The second one is, is it a tradition? It's not wrong to do things because it's tradition. Sometimes we get caught up on this thing that tradition is bad. Tradition is not bad. We all have traditions. Uh, We eat turkey on Thanksgiving and we eat ham at Christmas. That seems to be a good tradition. None of us fuss about that. But when it's tradition of 
of church and how we do church life, sometimes we react because we don't like that. It's what well, we just do it because of tradition. There are some things, it's okay to make a decision at times out of tradition because it's a good way to do it. We've seen a history of when we do that, when we make that decision, where it leads, and it's a good decision. It's okay. We don't need to make a salvation issue out of it, but sometimes it's all right to just say, well, I've seen the history of that decision. It's a good decision, and that's what I think I should do. And so it's okay to name that, but it's okay to name it if it's a tradition. Sometimes it's a uh, parental decision. Our parents, mom and dad, want me to do that. Uh, maybe it's not something that I choose. And again, I think it's okay to acknowledge it. And just, um, maybe I don't understand. I can say, well, I don't know why mom and dad want me to do this, but they've asked me to do that, and I'm willing to do that. And we have some of that in our house. There are things that, I, that we require of our children that our church doesn't require, that our school doesn't require. It's a family rule. And it's okay. And I'm okay with my children tell their friends where our parents have asked us not to do that. I'm totally fine with that. Um, Because it's something that I'm asking of them. And I think it's also important when we don't understand um, to try to understand why. If it's a tradition. Okay, so, but why do we do that? What is the history? Where could it lead us? Can I come, can I wrap my head around that decision and say, yeah, that's, I think that would be a good reason to do that. Um, try to understand. Well, was Balaam convinced of the reason that he didn't curse Israel? He came out and gave an answer. God told me not to do it. Was he convinced of it? Well, what happens? The servants, they go back to Balak In verse 15 it says, And Balak sent yet again princes more and more honorable. And they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus saith Balak, the son of Zippor, Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me, for I will promote thee unto very great honor, and I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. And Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. And so here they come. They have have more things to offer him, maybe even part of the kingdom. They say um, they're going to give him um, pretty much anything he wants. They're in a life and death situation, right? And they want him to come. And Balaam again just says, I can't do that. God told me I can't. Here's my suggestion. Sometimes we make a decision, and it's a good decision. And sometimes uh, we're faced with that decision again. It, It comes up again. I'm suggesting instead of going through the whole scenario of, of asking and seeking counsel, if if it was a good decision the first time, and you know the a lot of the details around it hasn't changed. Just anchor on that decision again. Skip all the asking and just, and just take the decision, okay, why did I make it the first time? Revisit that. What's the basis of the decision? Anchor yourself in that and then just say, I think it's, a good, I think it's still a good decision. And be okay with that. Don't continue asking, hoping that you get another answer. 
Sometimes that's what we uh, can tend to do with our parents, right? We ask once, we ask twice, we ask the third time. At least young children do. They keep hoping that they get a different answer. Maybe if I ask mom, she'll give me a different answer. And we sometimes do that in our lives. Uh, if we're honest with ourselves. We really want this outcome, but yet this is the answer. So how do we get there? And we, we start trying to uh, manipulate it so that we can get the answer that we want. So in verse 19... Um, It says, Now therefore I pray you, tarry ye also here this night, this is Balaam the prophet speaking, that I may know what the Lord will say unto me more. And here's where I think Balaam made a mistake. He went back to them and he said, Nope, sorry, God told me I can't do that. But then he says, Just hang on a minute, let me talk to the Lord, and tomorrow morning I'll make sure that this is still the same answer that he has. In verse 22, it says, And God said unto Balaam at night, and said unto him, If the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee, that shalt thou do. And Balaam rose up in the morning, and saddled his ass, and went with the princes of Moab. And the anger, and God's anger was kindled because he went. Now let's stop a minute. You know, God had clearly given a Balaam, had given Balaam an answer. And he told him that he didn't want him to curse them, the Israelites, because they were his promised people. They were supposed to wipe out the wickedness in the land. And God didn't want the Israelites destroyed. You know, God doesn't... And so my question is, why did the... the Next time, Balaam went to God and asked, why did God allow it? Why did God tell him, we'll go with them? Was that God's perfect will or was that maybe his permissive will? I'm not, I'm not totally sure what it is. But I'm suggesting for some reason God allowed Balaam, or he told him to go when he asked the second time, even after he had a clear answer the first time. Was that God's permissive will and not his per? not his perfect will. You know, God doesn't force us to obey, but he wants us to make correct choices. Often the choices are still up to us. But often God will put bumps in the road of choices, wrong choices that we make. So he allows us that freedom to make the choice, but if we make a poor choice, often he starts bringing things into our lives that we bump up against. And now we have to figure out, well, what are we going to do with that? And he gives us plenty of time to turn around and make a good choice. Let's continue the story. Verse 22, it says, And the angel of the Lord stood in the way. So here's here's, um, Balaam. He saddles up his his ass, and he's he's headed with the servants. He's going to go back to, to Balak. And it says, And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass, and his two servants were with him. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way, and went into the field. And Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. And so if you can imagine, he's riding along, and he's, he's just happy to, to uh, go with these servants back to Balak. And he's, he's, gonna, he's not quite sure. Remember, God said... I'm going to direct your words. You have to say what I say. But hey, at least he's going with them. Maybe he'll 
be able to get some of these gifts. I don't know what all was going through his mind, but he's, he's happily riding along, and all of a sudden this, this ass that he's riding rears up and, and jerks and runs off the path, and it makes him angry. And so he, um, and so he, he says he, he smote the ass to turn her back into the way. And then it says in verse 24, and I'm suggesting that's bump number one, okay? So God's speaking to him. He put the angel, he plainly put the angel in front of that ass, right? He tried to stop his mode of transportation. He, he tried to turn his car off, right? And he made him run out of gas. I don't know what it would be in today's language, but somehow he tried to stop him. He put a roadblock in there to stop him from where he was going. This first roadblock was uh, something, I'm going to suggest it's, it's, a, it's maybe a visible roadblock. Maybe we, we bump up against something, but there's, there really aren't any consequences, okay? Um, and so his, his donkey reared up, uh, wanted to stop him. But God still allowed Balaam to choose. And what did Balaam do? I mean, obviously, he couldn't see the angel, right? So he turns his... Turns his donkey, his ass back into the road again. Let's, let's get going. Let's go. And so in verse 24, it says, But the angel of the Lord stood in a path of the vineyards, a wall be, being on this side and a wall on that side. And when the, when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself into the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. And he smote her again. So here's bump number two. He's riding along the road again. Everything's going good. And suddenly they got to a place that was a little narrower. There was, it sounds like there's a vineyard or something on the one side, maybe a hedge on the other side, some kind of a wall. And all of a sudden, this donkey just goes up and just crushes his foot. So now he has, there's some pain involved, right? God's trying to get his attention. And what does he do? Hits that donkey. Come on, let's go. We need to go to Balak. There are times in our lives that God brings a bump that really he's trying to wake us up. He's trying to get our attention. This is to the point where Balaam had to use um, some force to get back on the trail and to, and to go. And in fact, there's some physical pain involved. I can imagine his, his foot's hurting from that donkey slamming his foot into the wall. There's some pain involved. Um, maybe for us, you know, we may be living a life that we shouldn't. And maybe God brings us, we, we have an accident, let's say, and we have a close um, encounter with death. Uh, maybe we have a, uh, the life that we're living, we have a brush with the law, where we're not, we didn't get put in prison, but yeah, we're starting to take a path that is taking us in a bad place. And I think God gives us opportunities like that to wake us up. And are we willing to hear what he's trying to tell us? Are we willing to turn back? Maybe we lose our job because of our lack of um, self-discipline. We're up all weekend carousing, and uh, Monday morning we can't get to work, right? So we lose our job. Ah, and, you know, my boss, he's so, so tough on us. Well, maybe we should uh, consider how we got here, why we lost our job, right? God puts some of those roadblocks in our way sometime to, 
make us think. What do we do with them? Do we hear him? You know, God is so gracious, so gracious so often, and he allows us continue to, to continue to make poor decisions. Let's continue to read in verse 26. It says, And the angel of the Lord went further, and he stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn to the right hand or to the left. So this is narrowed down where there's just room for the donkey to go through. So there's not going to be any running off the side of the trail. So they come to this narrow place. It says, and when, the, and when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the ass with a staff. Let's keep... Uh, Let's keep reading. Um, And he smote the ass with a staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass. And she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? And Balaam said unto the ass, Because thou hast mocked me, I would there were a sword in mine hand, for now would I kill thee. And the ass said unto Balaam, Am not I thine ass, upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine own unto this day? Was I ever wont to do so unto thee? And he said, Nay. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. And the ass saw me, and she turned from me these three times. Unless she had turned from me, surely now also I had slain thee and saved her alive. And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now therefore, if it displeaseth thee, I will get me back again. And the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I shall speak unto thee, that thou shalt speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. And so Balaam hit bump number three where the angel blocked him and God stopped him. He was forced to make a clear choice, right? And in the middle of that, he lost all common sense. Um, This donkey fell down and started talking to him and it doesn't even sound like it phased him. He just started this dialogue with this donkey. And, we, and we, we read this story and, and we think, well, man, if that had been me, I would have said, what, in the, what is going on? This donkey's talking. But, you know, sometimes when we're in the middle of life and we've made multiple poor choices, we're going a, a decided direction against what we know is right. We've made so many choices, so many poor choices that have veered us off of a a path we should be on. There are times things happen, like I mentioned, whether it's an accident or we lose our job or um, we we don't have a car. And and so many things like that happen. And and we just think the world's out to get us. Everybody is so mean. You know, why does everybody else's car runs? Mine doesn't. Why does nobody else lose their license? Why do I have to lose my license? Why did that cop have to be there that night that I did whatever it was? 
And we can start going down a path and we don't, it doesn't even register in our minds that what we're experiencing is a direct result of our decisions that we have made. It's a little bit like a donkey talking. And, and yet, it, it seems like we, can't, we don't catch it. We don't realize that God is trying to get our attention. We don't do that, do we? I hope not. But you know, Balaam did come to his senses and his eyes were, and God opened his eyes. And I'm not going to read the rest of this story, but uh, Balaam does go to Balak, and uh, Balak takes him up, and they look down over the Israelites, and Balak says, "Curse them." And Balaam refuses. And Balak takes him somewhere else. And it happens multiple times where Balak gives him opportunity to curse them. And he doesn't do it. And there's actually a scripture, and I don't even have the reference right now. It refers later on to this story. And it actually says that God changed the words that Balaam was speaking into a blessing. And so I'm not sure exactly what all happened here. And I'm not sure of Balaam's heart. But it appears as if... He was maybe intent on cursing them because Scripture refers to the fact that God actually changed his, his words and, and made them, God made him say what he wanted him to say. God ultimately, um, yeah, had him put a blessing on them. You know, sometimes we have decisions to make and they're tough and we don't like the outcome that we get on the first answer. I'm going to read a scripture of of probably one of the hardest decisions that's ever been made in this world. And it's when Christ was here on earth and he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in Matthew chapter 26, he's praying. And it says, And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. So that was his desire. He really didn't want to go to the cross. He really didn't want to die. His flesh didn't. But he knew why he was here. He knew why he had come to earth. He knew what the will of his father was. And he ends his prayer and says, Not as I will, but as thou wilt. And so he's saying, God, if there's any way... We can do this differently. I'd really like that. But I'm willing to do your will. Several verses later in verse 42, it says, He went away again the second time. He faced it once. Look at his response here. And the second time he faced this. The first time he said, I'm willing to do it for your will. The second time it says, He went away again the second time and prayed saying, O Father, If this cup may not pass from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. You see, he restated what happened in his first answer, right? He knew it was God's will. And he comes back and he says, if that's what you want, I'm going to do it. And he makes a decision to make the right choice. Following the will of his father. What determines the decisions that you make? Do you seek to determine God's will? Does he play a part in your decisions? 
Do you know why you do what you do? What do you base your decisions off of? Is it just whatever I feel like today? Or do you actually put some thought into some of those heavier decisions, some of those life-changing decisions? Or is it just, oh, I always thought it would be fun to serve at so-and-so place of service? Or do you really put some thought into it? Have you driven your donkey past one roadblock? Maybe two. Where are you at? Is your donkey talking to you? Is God putting bumps in your road? And have you just driven over them or went around them or figured out a way to get what you want? Where is God in the decisions that you make? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you this evening for this group of youth. Lord, I pray that you would give them uh, clarity in the decisions that they face in their lives today. Lord, whatever it is, um, help them to make wise decisions. I pray that they would uh, seek good counsel from those around them. I pray that they would uh, study your word and um, seek answers in scripture. And I pray, Lord, um, that they would uh, just make good choices from the counsel that they get. Lord, I pray that you would give them clear direction, and I pray that you would be, um, that you would reveal your wills to them in their lives as they seek you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.